Good morning. Welcome to Liberty Lake Church uh, online or live or whatever we are. Uh, we are glad that you have come to join us this morning. Look forward to participating with you uh, in the Word, in prayer, and uh, celebrating the, just the privilege that it is to be the church uh, regardless of our circumstances. So first thing is off, I want to say uh, happy Mother's Day to all of our moms. Um, literally, we would not be here without you. Is that okay? Um, my mom really appreciates that joke. At least she's laughed once or twice. Um, it is great to have you, and uh, we are uh, we are grateful. I uh, I think the privilege of raising children helps us to understand the significant gift of moms. And um, as as you uh, if you have kids like my bride and I do, then you begin to really appreciate your own moms when you realize how much trouble you caused them when you were younger. So. Uh, mom, love you. Thank you and, and appreciate you. And happy Mother's Day to all of our moms. Hopefully today your families take the opportunity to let you know how much they appreciate you and, uh, and you get to celebrate that today. Looking forward to our morning today. Um, you'll notice I'm going to actually try and stand and preach uh, and see if that helps or if it's worse. I don't know. We'll see. Um, you can let Julie know on our Facebook page as we go through um, the morning today. Um, we do want to invite you to join. Uh, I, Travis, are you doing youth group tonight? Okay. So I was just double checking. I wasn't sure what what the plan was on that. So um, that I heard in my ear. I heard a I heard a yes. So uh, youth group tonight at five thirty on Zoom. You can get a hold of Travis uh, at Travis at LibertyLakeChurch.com. If you don't know how to get on there, um, please feel free to email him. He'll get you all the details you need for that. Um, be sure to join us on Wednesday nights at uh, six o'clock here. Uh, either on YouTube, Vimeo, or Facebook. Uh, you can find us on our church app and on the webpage at libertylakechurch.com. So it is great to have you, and sure appreciate you being here. Looking forward to uh, just looking through the text through Mark today and celebrating communion with you um, as we can today. So at this time, let me open in prayer, and then I'm going to turn it over to our music team as uh, they lead us in a couple of songs this morning. Father, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you for your love and your kindness. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins that came through uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as Jesus is interacting with his disciples today in the text, he references laying down his life as a ransom for many. And, and Lord, we're going we're gonna to look at that today. We're going to end there this morning. Is just a reminder of, of who you are and who we are because of you. What a, what a reality we have um, in the midst of, of what this pandemic and, and the labeling and the, the fear and all of the stuff that's happening, Lord. The opportunity for the church to shine has never been, um, never been more convenient, really, um, in our culture. And help us to be the light. Help us to reflect your glory. Help us to reflect our faith and our hope in you and who you are to us, and, and the, the reason that we can confidently say we, we don't fear this, um, because we know who our king is, and we know, we know where our home, our eternal um, home is, and, and what is next for us. So, God, I just pray this morning as we consider your word, as we celebrate and worship together through music, through prayer, um, as homes, as the families celebrate together and worship you in their homes, even for the remainder of this day, Lord, that you would be glorified in all that we do and say, and that your name would be exalted above every name. 
And uh, Father, for that, we are grateful this morning. In your name, amen. Won't you join us with From the Day?
awesome. It's a fun song. And won't you uh, join us in worship for From the Inside Out?
Father, would you go with us this morning through the text? Would you, um, I just pray, Lord, that you would uh, take out any of the words that might come from me, that you would use uh, your spirit to guide and direct this conversation, and um, Lord, that you would just speak, speak to us, that we would hear from you, that we would be transformed by the presence of your spirit, by the presence of your word, and that uh, we would not be the same. We would not be the same. We give you the praise and the glory this morning in your name. Amen. I don't know how many of you guys uh, experience in life those opportunities where uh, you catch yourself saying something dumb, and then by the, by the grace of God, uh, there are people around there to help you remember that you said something dumb. Um, and uh, as I watch the disciples, so many times I'm, I'm watching what they're going through, and I'm thinking to myself back on some of the really, really ridiculous things uh, that I've done and said, and one of one of the more embarrassing moments that I feel comfortable sharing with you, which is kind of an odd thing, um, but it was this time in Bible school, and this was way back. This was actually before my bride met me, which I'm glad because I, I think I may have learned something from that, so she would marry me. Um, but we were uh, we were dating at the time, and I, I may have shared the story, and I apologize if I have. Uh, but we were dating at the time, and I believe we were actually uh, talking about uh, marriage. And she went to do something very, very sweet for me, and uh, she bought me a, a watch. And um, it's even hard for me, it's still hard for me to even say that I said this, uh, but I was looking at the watch, and I thought it looked, um, what well, was a sports watch, and, and, and it, it just looked not as classy as the one that I wanted. <sighs> And I referenced that to her, and then, uh, which you know, nearly broke her heart. Why? Why she even still dated me after that? I, I don't know. But found out later that it was like a very expensive sports watch, and I st- happened to actually still have it. It still ho- watches time. Does the watch watch time? Anyway, um, it's still keeping time on my desk or, or on my dresser in the house. The band has broke four or five times, and we've had to replace that. Um, but here I am, my, my, at the time, my girlfriend's trying to do something sweet and kind, and she knew I needed a watch, and, and so she went out and spent a bunch of money on me, and I didn't appreciate it. And, and again, even if I wouldn't have appreciated it in my own heart, the fact that the words came out of my mouth put me in a spot where I had to live with that reality, and I constantly still am really embarrassed that I would actually say that. It's, like I said, even 24. 26 years later, it's still hard for me to admit that I was uh, that ungrateful and that that came out of my mouth, which is very odd. It was not the illustration that I would thought about using this morning, but that one hit me as being really horrible, so I thought I would share that with you on Mother's Day. Um, but the reality is, is that our disciples, they, they find themselves in the same spot. And um, I'm, again, so grateful that God did not actually write down the record of my uh, uh, discipleship process, the record of of all of the goofy things that I've done and the way in which he's had to walk through life with me uh, to teach me and train me and, and, and change me. Um, and only a small number of people have had the privilege or displeasure of having to watch that happen, where here the poor disciples are on display, and, and we're going to watch that happen this morning. Uh, in Mark, start turning your Bibles to Mark chapter 10, verse 35. I, I want to also uh, just share with you guys, you know, part of, part of 
preaching for me is about being transparent and and honest with you guys, and I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, I'm a little distracted this morning. I, I don't know if you guys ever have this stuff happen where where you just have life issues that that come up, and whether it's family or work or or health or, or other things that are just happening around you. And I found I find myself distracted this morning as I'm trying to focus on this and trying and praying through it in my office, praying through it this morning as I was at home. Um, just the the life issues keep popping up, and I'm having to give them back to the Lord. And, and so I, I don't know if you're like me. I don't know if you find those things, um, but that's where I'm at today. And so as you are at home, as you're uh, watching this, would you be praying for me that God would just just clarify the thoughts that he has and that I would be focused on him? And maybe we pray for one another this morning to say, God, help us all uh, to, to set down whatever it is that's in this life, whatever it is that's right now that is paramount or or significant distraction to hearing from you this morning would you help us to lay that down to put it away and to open our ears and our eyes to what you're doing Uh, follow along with me if you would in mark chapter 10 starting in verse 35 this morning verse 35 mark chapter 10 and james and john the sons of zebedee came up to him and said to him teacher We want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be greatest among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Can you see James and John? Uh, right? They are the sons of thunder. We, we know this. They have that nickname. Here, here they are uh, posturing in their, in their little group of 12, and, and they're positioning themselves for, for great glory and, and for the purposes of the kingdom. They're, they're moving ahead. And I want us to be really careful because I don't know that culturally um, that it would be out of place for us to even think that way in a lot of circles when it comes to the, the rising powers, if you will. I mean, we, we see this happen in business. We see it happen in, in all kinds of things where people are posturing to be closest to whoever the most influence, uh, influential person is or the person that's going to be in power. We watch it happen in our politics. We watch it happen in our workplaces. It happens all the time. It's the human nature. It's the human heart who's trying to do all these things. What I love about what they do, though, is they come up to Jesus and they say, we want you to give us whatever we ask of you. Now, listen, if somebody says that to me, I don't make them any promises at all. Right, because the first thing I want to know is what is it you're gonna, what is it you're asking of me, and, and and we see Jesus actually do that with them, but the request is 
is interesting in the fact that um, they they actually ask him to give them prominence, give them position, and, and to put them in the highest uh, the highest place of authority behind or below Christ in this spot. Don't you love how in the in the text it actually it actually tells us that the rest of the guys got a little ticked? Wouldn't you? <laughs> Probably. I I think if if I was in there and, and I was following Jesus and I was doing everything that they were doing and, and, and they thought they should be ahead of me, I'd kind of be like, um, why exactly? Well, here we have the disciples. Here we have Jesus in this interaction. And the only thing I can think of uh, in, in the, uh, when you think about the language like that, like when I hear this kind of language, do whatever we ask of you, um, it, 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 what what it mean, uh, th- makes me think about is how the disciples misunderstood what Jesus was bringing, what he was doing for them. They watched people ask things of him on a regular basis. They watched Jesus do miraculous things all the time. In fact, it's possible that at one point they heard a teaching from Jesus that actually gave them this idea that they could go and request anything and have it done. Uh, that passage, I think one of the passages that maybe they're they're potentially considering here is Matthew chapter 18. And I think sometimes when we jump into the text and we grab something out of context, we can do the exact same thing as what they're doing. Look at Matthew chapter 18, starting in verses 19 through 20. Matthew 18, verse 19. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. So I don't know. Is it possible that the disciples had heard Jesus teaching about this idea of asking if two or three are gathered, or if if they ask anything, he will do it for them? I I don't know, but there's times when my own selfishness, when my passions or my desires, the things that I want get in the way, I I begin to think, at least I I think this is how I process it, that somehow God owes me. God should respond to me, and I believe that his disciples were in the same spot. Here they'd had this whole conversation about giving up everything and how they're going to have a hundredfold given back to them. And, and we just read that in, in previously in Mark in this teaching that Jesus is giving them about these realities of following him and the cost of following him and, and how there's going to be rewards for that. And I'm just wondering if part of all of that stuff is not circulating around and the disciples are going... Well, then let's ask him for what we want. Interestingly enough, if you look in Matthew, if you back up in the context a little bit, it has to do with dealing with a conflict with a brother. It's actually about going and making a relationship right in the church, not not particularly you asking for whatever you want and getting it. And so it's context is obviously very important. And the disciples were missing an incredibly important aspect of what Jesus' kingdom and purpose on this earth was about. Because their focal point, their their perspective, was still very temporal, very immediate, very earth-focused, very kingdom-now-focused. And they were anticipating Jesus establishing that kingdom and setting all of those things up. And what he does, as, as we look at the text, he actually redirects them not to the kingdom, not to the specific outcome of the kingdom, but really what he was there for. And what do we see him say? He actually says to them, you don't know what you're asking. 
you don't understand what the kingdom is. You don't understand the cost of what it's going to cost to get to the kingdom, to get into the kingdom, to be a child or a disciple of mine. And he references two specific things. The first thing that he references is drink the cup that I drink, and the second is baptized with the baptism. I can only imagine that the disciples were confused by this language, thinking, okay, we had wine for lunch, and we saw him baptized. We've baptized other people. Sure, we could do that, I mean, right? I, I would think that we would probably be as confused as they were. And yet when we look at Jesus' response to the cup, this idea of the cup, how, how did he uh, view the cup that he was going to drink? Um, we've read other passages. I want to just look at one quick verse to remind us of the weight of this cup, the wrath of God that he was going to be drinking that was the payment for the consequences for all of our sins. This cup that he was going to take was not something small. It was not something insignificant or light. It was it was incredibly and, and, and painfully enormous to Christ. It was it was going to be a great and terrible thing. And we see his response to this cup in Luke chapter 22, uh, verse 42. Luke chapter 22, verse 42 says this, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. We've looked at other passages just recently where we know Jesus actually went back to the Father three times in the garden asking that the cup be removed. If there's any other way, but his response to the Father was, not my will, but yours be done. And, and we know ultimately by the story, as we go through Mark, we're going to watch this. Jesus willingly lays down his life, obeys that, and, and does drink of the cup. The cup of wrath. He takes for himself the, the one that, that, that we don't do because of what Christ has done. The second part of this is the baptism. Uh, that, that Christ was going to be baptized in, was the, the death, burial, and resurrection. And we see that referenced in Romans chapter 6. Ro, uh, Paul does this amazing job of describing what's going on in, in this baptism process, and he gives a cry out to the church to say, don't you see who you are? Don't you recognize that, that, that the, the wrath has been taken care of, the payment is made, you're free from, from this life of sin, so why would we live in it any longer? Look at Romans chapter 6, verse 1. It says this, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized in, into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Christ's baptism, was the, he, he was aware that he was going to be killed and buried and raised again in three days, and this idea of being baptized into death and brought up into new life um, was beyond the disciples. They could not fathom what was coming, how Christ was going to institute his kingdom. And yet Jesus is continuing to point that 
out to them, continuing to direct their hearts to that reality of, of what the kingdom was, what his purpose was there on earth, and how this whole system was going to change how they lived. It was going to change. It was, it was ultimately going to cost them in their lives. They were going to suffer. Uh, um, many of them were going to face actual uh, martyrdom in the process of following Jesus, and, and they would ultimately change the world because of their faith. And, and it's at that moment in the text as the disciples are wrestling with this, this whole idea of the cup and, and, and this baptism and, and uh, James and John wanting to sit at the side of Jesus in this position of authority, that Jesus reminds them what the authority structure, if you will, or what the, how the kingdom is laid out. He reminds them of what their role is in the kingdom of God. And it, it's really not about authority or the power over people, right? We actually see it in the text. He reminds them um, that, that, that this is how these other, the worldly leaders, function. In, in verse 42, Jesus says, called them to him and he said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. He specifically points out the way that the government is operating at that time and how these leaders, they exercise authority or they lord it over them and they rule over them. And he's reminding the disciples, this is not what I'm calling you to. This is not how you are to engage as leaders, as my disciples um, it's not about being at the top. It's not about being next to me or having the highest position. In fact, uh, we see Peter uh, remind us in 1 Peter chapter 5, he gives an a- a admonition to um, elders, to those leaders who are shepherding the flock. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 11 with me. says this, 1 Peter 5, 1. So I exhort the elders among you, as fellow elders and as, a witness of the su- as witnesses of the suffering of Christ, as well as partakers in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over them or over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. 
Here we see Peter challenging the leadership of the church to take a posture of shepherding that's not about money, it's not about their own, their own uh, prominence, and it's, it's not about them being promoted or having authority or, or, or being uh, uh, over people or, or even having, having people look up to them and having position or posture. But it's, it's meant to be servants and it's meant to do this, to serve for the benefit of others. And then he calls all of us to live in, in humility, complete humility with one another, putting others before ourselves and not thinking too highly of ourselves. Um, and then he, he closes the whole thing off, reminding us of the spiritual warfare that we're in and recommending uh, our worship and our adoration and our faith be pointed solely at Christ. Here's this picture of the church that's, that's intended uh, by Peter to challenge the church to recognize their circumstances, recognize the call that they've been given, and to live and, and love and serve in such a way. I don't know about you guys, um, but the reality is I think that all of us at some level want to be in control. Um, whether it's just of our little lives or if it's of a, of a larger group of people. I mean, we want control. We want things our way, right? Um, that's, that's why road rage happens. That's why, uh, that's why people get really, really frustrated in the long coffee lines right now. Um, that's why uh, the, the, the goofy stuff's happening. My, Sally was sharing with me some of the crazy things that are going on in Spokane, um, the, the, the news stories that are starting to happen where people are, <laughs> I guess some guy was brandished a pitchfork today uh, or this weekend in a fight. Haven't, haven't actually heard of that one in a while, um, but uh, there was a pitchfork brandishing in Spokane. That's kind of nuts. And yet, why? Why? Why in these moments when things are, are crazy and intense, why is it that we want control? Um, and I, I think it comes down to the heart issue. I, I know for me, I do. Um, that, that's the reality of when, when I'm on the road or when, when I'm dealing with people and I get so frustrated or I find myself getting angry, it, it's clearly because they don't understand how important I am. And they're not... Uh, adjusting their lifestyles to reflect the reality of their presence near me. And yet, what was Jesus' example? What, was, what did Jesus show us? We're going to look at that here in just a second. The other thing that really grabs me out of, out of this First Peter passage is this idea of being examples to the flock. Um, I, again, uh, you know, I, I apologize if I've said this before, but my my frustration with church for so many years was that we lived this facade of having everything together of of everybody you know having to look like you're perfect look like you've got all of the stuff figured out in your life and and unfortunately there were many many times where i think the leaders in the church were were involved in uh encouraging that kind of behavior by their own example. And um, the challenge is, I think, when we read Scripture, the example that we see set for us is that um, we see a lot of flawed men and women in Scripture, right? We watch them struggle and fail over and over and over again. 
And when they fail, when they respond to that properly, uh, and, and almost always it has something to do with repentance or confession of sin, God responds to those people and, and he answers that cry and he shows up. For Israel, that happened over and over and over again. David, when he was in sin with Bathsheba and he'd killed her husband, God brought Nathan and confronted him. And when David responded to that, when he confessed that sin, there were still consequences, but God showed up and restored the kingdom. In contrast to that, when Saul was confronted of his sin, he made excuses for why he was doing what he was doing. And so when we think about being examples, when we think about what it means to, to, to lead or be in leadership roles, uh, I, I want to encourage you, especially moms and dads and, and those of you that are in leadership roles, whether it's in the church or at your work, um, there are ways to be godly examples that does not put us uh, in a position of being better or above other people. But we can do it in a way that, that serves. And I think especially in the church, it's such an important aspect. That's the reason that I, I share with you guys um, some of the mess that I, that I make in my own life. That's why I, I share with you when, I, when my anger gets out of, out of hand or, and I have to confess those things. It's because I want you to know that God's working in my heart, that he's changing me, and that he's confronting in me the sin and, and the, the issues that, that are still there, that are still a challenge for me. And, and so as we do that together, as we confess our sins together um, to one another, as we have people that we can trust, God uses that to transform our hearts and begin to change that. And the, the poor disciples, they, they get it written in the Word. They get, they get stories written about them, and they're, they're doing life together and suffering together and learning together in this community of believers. And, and it's an important aspect of what we do as the church. And the reality is it's not comfortable. How many of you like to sign up for confession next week? Just, just text me on Facebook. Let us know. We'll get you in. It's not something we like doing. It's not something we even like having to admit that we're flawed and that we need help. I want to encourage you that as we consider what it means to be in leadership roles, as we consider what it means to be responsible, to live lives that reflect and and are examples for others, that serving people, I believe, leads to influence. Domineering people leads, uh, being over the top of or exercising authority um, does not lead to influence. It it, uh, often leads to rebellion. And I think God's called us to live lives that are servants, live lives as he did uh, for the sake of influencing people to the gospel and, and to draw them in. There's a phrase that's used in this particular text that is especially important and impactful for me. Um, as I was wrestling through the text, as I was looking at this whole idea of the disciples wanting to be at his right and left hand and the, 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 the struggle for importance and for position and for posture uh, that, they were, that they were doing and that the disciples were arguing about, it's verse 45, because Jesus is reminding them who he is and what, how he's being an example to them. He says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You've got to look back, turn in your Bibles back to Daniel, Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. Flip back in your Bibles. I, just, I want you to see 
um, who the Son of Man is. This reference of the Son of Man is spectacular, and it's super important we understand what, what the Jews were going to take from that, what the disciples were hearing when Jesus says, the, the, even the Son of Man. And one of the, the prophecies of Daniel, look at what he says in Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. He says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Here we see Daniel's referencing this individual who comes before the Ancient of Days, who has the appearance like a son of man, but he enters into the presence of God the Father, the Ancient of Days, and he's given all, all nations, he's given all people, all creation, languages, everything, all the glory in the kingdom, and everyone should serve him. Here Jesus is referencing his, for his disciples that I, as the Son of Man, the one that deserves the worship, the one that actually is the King of Kings, that will have this kingdom and will, will be in the position of deserved or, or appropriate praise and appropriate glory, appropriate uh, authority and, and, and posture. That even as that individual, I have come not to be served, but to serve. I am setting the example for you as my disciples, as the one who has the authority to require service, the one who is filled with glory, has all the rights to be served by his creation. And rather than that, rather than demanding that service, I am coming to serve you. I am coming to be that example and to live in that reality. And that's Jesus with his disciples as they're arguing about who gets to sit next to him in the kingdom. I didn't come to serve, or to be served, but I came to serve. I just wonder how that would change the church here in America if if we really understood the reality of that that text that the Son of God, this the Son of Man who can stand before the Ancient of Days, who paid for our sins and was raised again by Jesus, by, by the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, our Messiah, who deserved to be served, who had the right to require that of his creation, said, I'm here to serve, not to be served. I wonder how that would change the reality of our worship, the reality of how we love one another, the reality of how we engage as a body on a weekly basis. If we entered the, the, the presence of the body, whether it's here on Sunday, whether it's in somebody else's home, whether we're running into them on the street, whatever that is, if we actually came to that posture, to that moment, to that opportunity for growth, to that opportunity to serve, not to be served. You know, it's a pretty incredible thing that most waitresses in the community of uh, of restaurant service really don't like Sunday afternoon um, when when all the church people show up. 
most of the time, that's, that's their worst crowd. They get tipped the least, and they're treated the worst of, of most of the rest of the week. If you don't believe me, ask them. Um, maybe don't tell them you're a churchgoer first. But ask them. Some of the worst people to deal with are those who come out of the church. And that should not be. Because Jesus did not live that way. In fact, in Titus 2, we'll, we'll actually, we see him ref, uh, Paul referencing what Jesus came to do in giving his life as a ransom for many. Titus 2, um, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Jesus himself he offered his life as a ransom for many. He offered his life in this posture. He came in and he served, not so that we could be important, not so that we would have our needs met and, and be comfortable on this earth, but so that we would live pure and self-controlled lives following him, desiring, jealous to, to live in good works, pursuing that reality. Not pursuing our own needs, not pursuing worldly lusts or the things of this world, but pursue, pursuing a life that reflects the glory of Jesus, the, the reality of who he was and how he lived. Truth be told, I, I probably would have been right next to James and John demanding my position in the kingdom if I was back there with them. How do I know that? I think I'd do it from time to time here now. And he's not even offering a kingdom. I think I'd do that from time to time now when I become angry with people who inconvenience me. When, when I, I feel like I'm not being treated the way I should or, or I need, need more to be happy. I need more to be content. I do that, I think, when I choose to sin. When I... When I Look Jesus in the face and I choose sin anyway. I say to the God of the universe, I say to my Savior and my Lord that I'm actually, I'm, I'm better, I deserve better than this. I deserve better than what you've given me. And we're going to take communion today. Part, uh, we missed it last week and, and, and I think God knew that and, and he designed it for us to do today because as we consider what it means to follow Jesus today as we as we actually take communion and we reflect on that reality of what Christ did on the cross and on the fact that he he took the punishment that you and I deserve he died uh, in 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 a baptism of death and was raised again by the power of the Holy Spirit, so that you and I can experience that same thing. And when we take communion, we testify of that reality until He comes. We remind ourselves of what Christ did on the cross and that what His blood paid for and what His body went through for you and for me and, and for all of the world. Not just for us, but for, for all of those who God has called. 
And I believe there's still many who are lost in this world that are waiting uh, to hear from and, and to see the light of the gospel from, from the church, from us. And so the communion today is about reminding us of who Jesus is, who, who he was and what he went through for our sake. And that's exactly what he's trying to do with his disciples at this point in the text. Your eyes are on the wrong thing. You're not seeing this the way that it is meant to be. It's not how I'm doing it. It's not what I came for. To readjust your vision. And I love that he just he shares with them. It had to have just been mind-boggling to them. Wait, what? What are you talking about? You and I have the reality of the text. We have, we have the outcome. We know what's, what's in here. And so on one hand, I feel like we have little to no excuse not, not to respond to the Lord and, and, and to rightly respond to the Lord when we see this stuff and confess in our own hearts the, the sin that we choose, the selfishness that we choose, the idolatry that we prefer over that of humility over that of, of following Christ and living in the service in the same way he did to others and to the church. I'm going to close, and I just as we, as we close in prayer, I, w- I want to challenge you this morning to, to find a minute as we get ready to take communion. Would you take a moment and just deal with whatever the stuff is, whatever you've had on your heart, whatever whatever selfish motivations, whatever you're doing to promote yourself that is dishonoring to God, whether it's selfish desires, whether it's a passion for the world, whether it's just outright sin that we're choosing, I pray that you would quiet your hearts and do business with the Lord this morning, as I've had to do all week as I've wrestled with this text. God, is this about me? Is this, is this the selfishness of my heart that wants that? Is that why I'm upset about this? Is that why I'm frustrated with this? Is that why I'm, I'm, I'm pushing for these particular things or I'm, I'm behaving this way? I've, I've had to do that all week. And it's been good and it's been frustrating and it's been difficult, but I think it's what God's called us to so that we would change and be transformed and live like He has called us to live. So bow your heads and pray with me and the band's going to start here in just a moment. And, and then we're going to take communion at the end. But God, I, I deeply desire, Lord, to live in a way that reflects your glory. I want to understand how to serve like you did. Lord, I don't want to be focused on myself and, and running around wounding people because it's in my heart it's all about me. And Lord, I know that you need to change that. You have to transform that part of my heart. God, I pray that you would do that for us as a church, that you would do that for us as, a, as, a, as the church in this nation. Lord, if we lived like you, I, I think that the, we would see a, a greater response from the lost. If we loved like you, we would see a greater response from those who are living in terror and fear. God, I just pray that you would teach us to be like you in how we serve, how we see the kingdom, how we see our responsibilities as church family members, as church leaders, as as parents, as children. God, I just pray that you would overwhelm and, and transform our hearts with the reality of who you are so that we would live differently and the world would see a difference in who we are. 
God, that we would reflect your glory and that we would truly love you above ourselves and it would change how we live. God, as we get ready for communion this morning, I pray that you would open our eyes to any anything in our hearts that, that we have placed above you, any sin, any anger, any attitude, any temptation, any worldly desires, any, any idols, anything that we have placed above you. Father, would you bring that to the forefront of our minds right at this moment? And as we go to communion and we remember what you did on the cross, Lord Jesus, the price that you paid, the cup that you drank, the baptism that you went through, that you have offered to us. God, that we would, we would look rightly at our own hearts and we would confess and lay them down for you to, to do with as you see fit. Teach us to be jealous for good works as we saw in Titus this morning. Teach us to follow you. Amen. Won't you join us with our final song, It Is Well. Grandeur has quaked before Moved by the sound of his voice Seas that were shaken and stirred Can be calmed and broken for my regard Through it all, through it all My eyes are on you Through it all, through it all it is well
Yeah, I love that song. What a, what a great reality. Um, it is well with my soul. And reality of Jesus and the death and burial, His resurrection, uh, the communion, um, we can say it is well with our soul because of Jesus, because of the hope that we have in Him. I want to read for you this morning uh, the passage out of 1 Corinthians that Paul reflects on the Corinthian church. The co- it's actually interesting, the, the, the issue that he's dealing with here is the selfishness and the self-focus, self-focus of the 1 Corinthian church, uh, or, or the church here in, in Corinth, and how they're doing communion, how they're doing church, and how it doesn't reflect the glory of God, but it's about them and, and it's completely selfish. So read with me this morning in First uh, Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 17. But in the following instruction, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry and another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you uh, in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let each person examine himself then, and so eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home. So that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. And the other things I will give directions when I come. Here we see Paul challenging the church on their own selfishness, their own, their own uh, idolatry in, in their worship services, that they had church so messed up that, that they, were, they were actually wounding and humiliating, and he even says despising the church in this process. And he challenges the believers to judge their hearts, to judge their lives, and to, and to evaluate, are, are we taking this particular representation of the body of Christ and his blood and what it what he paid for and in the, the, the what it represents in our lives and and this whole thing are we taking this seriously do we recognize do do we live in the reality of what this represents Paul is encouraging the church to allow the truth of what Christ did on the cross change how we live as the church. 
And I believe that it should do the same for you and for me this morning as we partake together. So as we think about the body, we think about what Jesus paid, the physical suffering that he experienced, the, 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 that he actually went through death, that he died for you and for me and, and for the sins of the world. And then even after he was raised, he still had the marks on his body that Thomas could put his fingers into. The physical pain and suffering that he experienced for the cross is represented in this bread or the cracker that you're going to take. And what did Jesus say in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four? This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So as we take together, take just a second and reflect on what it cost Christ physically in his body for our salvation, for this act of obedience that resulted in the forgiveness of sins for all those who believe in Jesus. Let's take together. Lord Jesus, the reality is is that when I think about what you've suffered, what you went through, I'm embarrassed by my own whining and my complaining about my own life. I'm overwhelmed with gratitude and I'm humbled by your example of obedience and selflessness. Oh God, that that would be our reflection of you, that that would be the highest calling for us as Christians. To die to ourselves and live in humility in the service of others. And so, Lord Jesus, giving you the glory. I pray that you would do that in each of the lives here as we thank you for your example. We thank you for the, this, the, the representation that we are celebrating, this um, remembrance that we do to remind our human minds of the reality of the suffering that you experienced on the cross for, for each of us. Pray that it would impact how we live even today, this reality, Lord. Thank you. And shortly after that, at the end of at the end of their meal, Jesus did the same with the cup. In verse 25, it says, In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this. As often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you provided the solution to the sinfulness of our heart. Lord, I thank you that... Um, we have the example of a God who loves us in, in, in spite of the re- re- repeated rebellion. And Lord Jesus, I, I just I exalt huh, I exalt you as the Messiah, the one true God, who paid the price as the, came as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. 
and by the shedding of your blood have washed all of your all of your children all of your kingdom those who are are um, sealed by the holy spirit as we see in ephesians you have washed us clean hebrews 10:14 is is such an encouragement to me that with this one sacrifice you have perfected for all time those who are being sanctified god that we would Reflect on that this morning, that we would remember that reality and that we would worship you and you alone today. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Boy, thank you guys for joining us. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon. And remember to tell your moms how much you appreciate them today. We'll see you next week. Bye.